So I was going through my Instagram feed and I'm just, you know, scrolling through and I see this post that is talking about plastic surgery and celebrities and it's a a bunch of different celebrities and all of them have had some kind of work, whether it's fillers and Botox or I'm learning about all these new things. There's like these eyebrow lifts and eyebrow threading. That's not just your eyebrows. It like lifts up your face. And of course, we all know about nose jobs. And then there's jaw fillers that change the shape of your jaw and lip fillers that don't just make your lips bigger, but make your smile smaller if it's too big and make your eyes smaller if they're too big or make your eyes, you know, more angled. There's all of these things that are combating aging and nature. And if you speak out, it's like, oh, well, you're, you know, shaming people. They are choosing to do this. You mind your own business. But I feel like we've lost something in all of this. We've all decided, not all of us, but many of us, that we're supposed to age, but not age. We're supposed to get the wisdom but not the looks. And today I want to talk about aging gracefully. Whatever that means, whether it means you do have Botox or you don't have Botox, I just want to investigate our society, specifically when it comes to women. There's all this pressure. I want to get into the different pressures that I felt getting older and what I see in my friends and the stuff that we just don't talk about. So let's get into it. Welcome to Big Time Small Talk, stories and observations beyond small talk. I am your host, Jody Rollins. And you might hear like the sound of a fan in the background. If you listen, it's like, Do you hear that? I'm sorry. It's been 115, 117. It's crazy hot here in the desert. Even when your air condition is kicked up high, I cannot sit here without the fan. So hopefully it's not too annoying for you. I just need some air blowing on me because it is hot. So today I want to talk about age and aging. And I remember when I was like in my early 30s, I was probably like 33, 34, and I was living in Los Angeles, which is, I hate to say, very superficial. It is that. It's all the things that, you know, people think it is, but it's also normal. Like there's regular people doing regular things just like anywhere else. So it's not all phony baloney. There is, you know, an aspect of that. Because of show business and modeling and all of those, you know, people who are just the beautiful people, right? And, but it is, there There are normal people. So I'm living in LA and I'm waitressing. And I, like I said, early 30s. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, so I'm in my 30s now, but I don't feel 30. Whatever that meant, I didn't feel like really any different than I felt when I was like 26 or 27 or 28. 
I just knew there was all this pressure to be starting to really think about, okay, why am I not married? Because I'm single, I'm still pursuing sort of acting and working in talk radio and doing all these things. But I definitely wanted to, you know, I hate to say the term settle down and get married, but I wanted to get married and have babies. And, you know, people, as you got into your 30s, they were really starting to ask, oh, well, how old are you? Oh, do you want to get married? Like when you're in your 20s, it starts. But by the time you hit your 30s, and maybe it's different now, I don't know. <clears throat> but for me, it was all this pressure. But I remember I was uh, waiting this one table, waiting on this one table. And the woman somehow she I don't even know. It's the thing about waitressing is that people feel the guests that's what we had to call them they weren't customers we had to call them guests when you work in fine dining it's a whole nother ball game but <clears throat> we had to um call them guests and guests feel like they can ask you anything personal questions they feel like they feel entitled to ask you things and you sort of feel like you have to answer you need to play along you need to laugh at their jokes whatever it is because you want that tip. So, <clears throat> sorry, I have <coughs> a frog in my throat here. Um, and so this woman was like, oh, so how old are you? And I, I think I was like, yeah, I'm 33, 34, whatever. She's like, what? Oh my God. I just thought, I thought you might've been a college student. And for some reason, that was the day that I felt like I started aging. Because up until then, I mean, I knew I looked young, but I was young. And then slowly but surely, somehow when you hit your like 30s, early to mid 30s, it's like, you know, you're supposed to be aging. And, you know, there's this famous saying, black don't crack. And I don't think that that's always true because I've seen people who are black who look old or older than their age. And I've seen some white people who look younger than their age. But yeah, I guess the majority of white people do age faster or have thinner skin that's wrinkly or you guys are always tanning yourselves or whatever it is from a physiological perspective, having melanin, not having melanin, I don't know. But I knew when that woman said something to me, it was like, oh, the expectation is I'm supposed to look older because I am old, you know air quotes, old, old is, you know, relative 80, 90, 100, 110, whatever. <clears throat> to some people, old is 40. Just depends on how old you are. So from that moment on, I, I almost was like shocked because I wasn't thinking about it. I always looked young and I was young. But once I hit that magical age of 33, 34, it was like, oh, society says that I'm officially a mature individual. And I started to notice the, the pressures of society as I got older, especially being single. It's like, oh, well, you're still single? You know, 35, you're still single? 36, you're still single? I remember I had this guy I worked with at one of the restaurants. He said to me, and he, you know, he was um, <clears throat> a Latino guy. And he was like, oh, are you married? And I was like, no. He's like, oh, uh, you have a boyfriend? I was like, no. He's like, oh, you lesbian? <laughs> I'm just like 
those are my options. I'm either married, I have a boyfriend, or I'm gay. Like, it was just funny. <laughs> he was like, that must be it. He was like, oh, you, you know, you're so beautiful. How I'm, My accent's terrible. Forgive me. Oh, you're so beautiful. You you know, you, how, you can't be single. And I'm like, yes, I'm single. That's very sweet. But societal pressures to continue to look young, but then gain and glean all the wisdom of aging starts, I think, in your 30s. You know, when you're a teenager, it's like, oh, someday when I grow up, and then when you hit your 20s, it's like, oh, I'm 20. And you're either in college or you're trying to figure out a career or what to do with your life or establish good friendships and maybe find your, you know, Mr. Right and hope to get married and have kids. So you're very sort of self-focused on like, this is me starting my life. I'm in my 20s. And then when you hit your 30s, it's like, oh, crap. Wait, I, I didn't get this. I didn't get married. I didn't maybe get the career I wanted. I'm still working on it. I'm not where I want to be. Some people are where they want to be by then. Many people are not. Some people don't even know where they want to be. You know, <clears throat> so that was when I started to notice all this pressure. And then when you get to your late 30s, the pressure is, well, are you going to, are you going to get married? Are you going to have babies? Like, is it too late for you? And people start looking at you almost with pity. Like you're like, what's wrong with you? Like, are you just, I used to hear this a lot. Are you too picky? Are you too choosy? I'm like, uh, no, I mean, I'm out there dating out there, you know, trying to meet my Mr. Right. I'm working on my career, but I haven't been that person that like, you know, some people focus solely on their career and put their relationships as a backseat. But I didn't do that. I was really trying to do both. And then <clears throat> I, when I ended up getting married, you know, I met my husband when I was 40 and I ended up getting married and there's this, all this pressure. It's like 40, like, you are officially old because you're 40. But then all of these sayings happen. Well, 40 is the new 30 or 40 is not old or, you know, 40 isn't what it was like when, it, when your mom or your grandma was 40. And there's all this stuff. And another thing I noticed, because I used to keep track of like, you know, celebrity gossip and look at all those online things. And, you know, when I was in my 30s, it was like, you know, Rob Lowe and Demi Moore and Julia Roberts and all of these people. And then when I was in my 40s, it was like, wait, who are these little starlets? And I, before I realized it, I was just like, what? I don't even know who these people are. And then I'm like, oh, the people that I followed, like the Jennifer Aniston's or the JLo's or, you know, when I was a teenager, just all these different like big time celebrities have also started to age out. Like they're still here. You can see them around. But when you look at all the celebrity stuff, it's about youth. As we know, you know, celebrity show business is youth focused. And um, that's when I started noticing all the Botox and the fillers and different. I mean, less and less, I think, facelifts. More and more people have more stuff put into their face. And I have to be careful because some people are like, I do that. What are you saying? Why are you judging me? <coughs> I, I, <clears throat> I, I think it's important to take a look at what we're doing what we're saying about 
what we're supposed to look like as we get older. And it isn't fair for me to judge because I have always been someone who has looked younger than my age. I'm definitely aging. I can look in the mirror and I'm like, okay, this is sagging. Oh, there's a little piece of crow feet here or whatever. <clears throat> or this wrinkle is here that wasn't here before. But in pictures, you, whoever might be looking at pictures of me, you probably won't see it like I see it, you know. But I definitely know that I look younger than my age. It's been an ongoing thing, which is great. But people treat you like you're a girl and not a woman. I mean, I'm regularly treated like I'm someone's peer that's, you know, much younger than me. And I'm like, hey, <clears throat> I'm a mature woman and I have lived a life. I am seasoned. I have my own, you know, dose of wisdom. And I think that gets lost, that getting old or getting older, the focus is solely on the physical. And that's easy because that's what we see. You know, we see faces, we see wrinkles or not wrinkles. We see, you know, sagging jowls or chins or whatever. That's what we see. But that becomes the sole focus. And I can tell you, Whenever I hear those, you know, questionnaires or articles that come out and they say, when was the best time in your life? If you had a chance to go back to being, you know, a teenager or a 20 something, would you? Absolutely not. I wouldn't because I didn't know anything. The only way I would ever consider going back to those things if, is if I could take the wisdom that I have now and bring it with me to my teens or 20s. Then maybe I could negotiate. Because there are so many gifts that come with getting older. And it's very easy to just only focus on the fact that my skin is more saggy or I have more wrinkles or I have varicose veins on my legs or I have all these negative things. But for me, it's like, okay, it's important to focus on all of the other things that come with aging. Yes, I've got aches and pains in my joints, and I have always loved to run. Now, I almost never run. I run once in a while, but I ride my bike, and I have this newfound love for riding my bike. I was never really a bike riding kind of a gal because I loved running. And so I can look at that one small thing and say, you know what? This is something new. I'm discovering something new about myself, my love of riding my mountain bike. And I love that my leg muscles are getting stronger again. And I don't have to worry about the same kind of pain that I would be in from running. And if somebody had asked me, oh, well, you know, do you think that after the age of 40, you will find a new love that has anything to do with physical like working out, I would have said no, because I, I'm upset that everything is being taken from me because that's what you think of when you, you're aging. It's like, what's being taken from me? Um, my tight skin is being taken from me. My great joints are being taken from me. You know, as you get older, even as women, my hair isn't as thick and as shiny as it used to be. Like all of these things, my nails don't grow as fast. You know, I, 
all kinds of things. Getting up from the floor is like work. I have to be like, oh, you know, my husband and I joke about how we're like, ah, we don't get up without saying or making that noise. And all that you think about when you think about aging, I think most of us, is the loss. And there is loss. And I think that we should find a way to embrace that loss and understand the loss and find a way to grow old gracefully. And usually when they say grow old gracefully, it's like, oh, we'll just, you know, don't do anything to yourself and let yourself go and let yourself be natural. But if that's what you're into, great. But I know women who are my exact same age and they're grandmothers and I feel like they're 10 to 15 years older than me. I'm not trying to act any younger or pretend I'm a different age than I am. I like activities. I like hiking. As I said, I like biking. I like to watch reality TV. Um, I like to do, I like to talk and chit chat with my friends. Obviously, I like to talk. I'm doing a podcast. And when I meet some women that are, you know, my same age, but they're sort of aged further than I am, we have nothing in common. You know, they're like, oh, you know, they don't, I, I don't care about clothes. I just, you know, throw on sweats and it doesn't matter. I'm too old to worry about that nonsense. Now, I'm not a fashion mogul, but I like clothing. I like cute clothes. I like cute shoes. I, I care about makeup and hair and like having curling irons that work better than the other curling iron and titanium, you know, versus whatever all the other ones are. But I think the point is that we have to find our own way when it comes to aging and not get lost in the physical part of it. I have so many gifts, so many gifts from gifts, gifts <laughs> from being older. You know, I look at my stepdaughter who is 20 years old and, you know, somebody might say, hey, isn't that great? Like, wouldn't you want to be 20 again? Like I said, no, because I see the stuff that she has to go through or I see the things that any 20-year-old has to go through. I met a really sweet 20-year-old girl at um, a party of mine. Well, she's not 20. She was 27, 26. And she was telling me about this trauma that she had gone through, this thing had happened in her life. And I was just watching her talk about it and struggle. And I'm just like, man, I don't miss that. I love the fact that I'm more secure than I was in my 20s or even my 30s. And there's so many little nuggets like that that happen when you're older. Understanding relationships, you know, it's you're older and wiser. I, there are relationships that when, when I was in my 30s or even in my 40s that I was just like, I don't understand why they're not working. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm talking about my girl relationships, like girlfriends. And I don't understand, like, she doesn't show up for me or this or that. And now, as I've gotten older, I'm just like, I invest in friendships. And if they invest back, great, we can move forward. But if they don't, I don't spend any time taking it personally or creating expectations 
for something that isn't going to happen. And I spent all of my 20s and 30s and some of my 40s doing that. You know, you as a young woman, you're always thinking, well, if this friendship didn't work out, what did I do? Is it my fault? And yeah, perhaps maybe sometimes it is or was my fault. But as you get older, you know what you can contribute to a friendship and you know what you're willing to put up with. And I think as we all get older, you put up with a lot, a lot less. And I think there comes a time when you just have to choose. There are two basic paths that we can go down as we age. Yes, there's variations, of course, but at the core of aging, there are two paths. And when I worked in uh, fine dining, I worked at a restaurant where we had a lot of elderly people. For a while, I worked in Palm Springs, which is a retirement community. So we had old people, 80s, 90s, celebrating their 102nd birthday, all of that. And a lot of them were still married. And I would always ask them, what's their secret? And I, you know, I would, I was very sort of trying to drink in the knowledge of these more seasoned people, more seasoned than I. And I deduced that there are only two general paths that we can take as we get older. And you have to choose. What are they? I'll tell you coming up right after the break. Stay with me. Welcome back to Big Time Small Talk. So we're talking age and aging today. And before we get into what are those two paths, I promise you, I truly believe that that is the difference between having a happy life as you get older and a miserable one, choosing one of these two paths. Before we get into that, if you haven't clicked subscribe or follow on Apple Podcasts as they have now, please click the subscribe button. I'm really help, uh, wanting to continue to grow this show and I really appreciate every single one of you who has listened. If you want to follow the show, follow me on Instagram at Jody Rollins or you can follow me on Twitter at Jody's Box, um, as in Jody's Mailbox. <laughs> and if you want to write the show, you can write me um, Big Time Small Talk Podcast at gmail.com. That's Big Time Small Talk. You have to add the word podcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the show financially, you can do that. You can choose. There's a few different options. I think it's 99 cents, $4.99, $9.99, or something a month. Just go to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app and all the instructions are there. Just find my show, Big Time Small Talk. You can also leave a voicemail. I love, love, love hearing from you guys and sometimes I play them on the show. Thank you so much to everybody who has left a voicemail. Um, in the show notes too, you can click, you can scroll down at the bottom of every show. There are the show notes and you can uh, support the show that way or leave a voicemail that way. There's clickable links right there. So you don't even have to download the Anchor app or anything new. You can find a way through the link. Um, please, please, please leave a written review on Apple Podcast, which is the biggest podcast platform in the world. If you have a moment, please, please, please click those five stars. That makes all the difference in the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
and keep listening. Share the show. Share the show with just one friend, just one. That's the best way to grow podcasts is for people to share with each other. So thank you to my newer listeners and thank you to my longtime support listeners as well. Okay. So these two paths. Now here's the thing. I I, I always talk about how I need to write a book about all the things I learned from waiting tables because I learned a lot. I did, I waited tables off and on for 25 years. I did a lot of other things as well, but I just, it was always like the meat, right? Waiting tables, working in fine dining paid very, very well. I mean, I think the most I ever made one year was like $70,000, which is a lot of money for a single person, you know, working in in uh, what they call unskilled job, you know, but it was definitely a skilled job because I had to work my way up to it. But um, it was great money and very flexible. And I would make that money working, you know, four days a week, sometimes three days a week, five days a week here and there. Every now and then I would work six days. So anyway, but I always learned a lot about people because you have this sort of window into society. People let their guards down, which is sometimes good and sometimes not, when they're eating dinner because you have these conversations. I mean, I've had people tell me about their lost loved ones. They just came from a funeral. They just came from a wedding. Um, you know, there's all these special events they're celebrating. You know, so-and-so's going to college. So-and-so just graduated. Um, so-and-so is getting engaged right in front of you and you're participating in the engagement, you know, bringing out the ring on a platter. Or I remember pregnancy announcements. I worked at a restaurant where we had fortune cookies and we put the little fortune. If you heat up a fortune cookie in the microwave for like three seconds, it softens up and you can pull out the fortune and then put in a different one. And so we did that and she opened up the fortune cookie and oh, uh, the husband opened up the fortune cookie and, and it said like, you're going to be a daddy. Like all these special, special moments in people's lives, as well as people arguing with you about a steak, how they ordered it. They lie and say they didn't order that. They remember it wrong. They're nasty to you. I mean, I've been called names. I've had racist customers. I mean, I've had sexist, disgusting pigs that want to touch you. I've had just rude, nasty women like the gambit from celebrity to unknowns. I've had rude, rude people. So you have this special sort of glimpse into society and understanding like a lot of times you'll you'll be like clearing glassware or whatever, clearing plates and people keep talking as if you're not there. So you hear very private conversations. So it was a unique responsibility, if you will. And when I worked in the place where I had all the elderly people, I, I regularly noticed, and this is just my opinion, that the older the elderly person, they were one of one or two things. And these are the paths that I think we get to choose in our life. They were either A, very grouchy, defensive, rude, and grumpy, or B, they were happy-go-lucky, pleasant, joyful, and kind. And there really wasn't much in between. There were, of course, slight variations, but there were old people, and they would, some of them would be like, I, I, I'm hard of hearing, but 
if you shout, I promise I'll listen closely to your beautiful voice. Give me a second. And I, I'm a little slow, but I promise you I'm going to listen. Like something cute like that and like smile and have a twinkle in their eye. Like, oh, I miss that. You know me. My ears may be big and I may be old, but like making jokes, self-effacing jokes. And you want to support them and help them like they couldn't hear or they're like, you know, I remember they, this one woman would come in all the time and she's like, can you bring me my chariot, which was her walker. And to her, it was her chariot. And that was cute. You know, she's not happy that she has to lean on a walker to walk out of the restaurant or walk in. But she made the most of it. And she was like, oh, I decorate this thing. And I, it's my, this is my chariot. Look at it. It's gold. And I mean, it was like yellow, you know, and she had like some little like things on it to make it cute. And she was positive about the fact that she needed a walker or they were positive about the fact that they couldn't hear or, you know, they were pleasant and fun and joyous and cracking jokes. If I was only 50 years younger, boy, you sure are pretty, you know, cute things like that. That was path A. Path B, and I don't know if I just swapped the two, but anyway, path A was the joyous one, joyous. And path B was the grumpy one. And those same aged people with the same problems would be nasty. I can't hear you. Can you speak up? I, what, how am I supposed to hear what you're saying? It's so loud in here. And shouting at me because the ambiance of the restaurant was loud. I don't know why they have the music up so loud. I can't hear a thing. Can you repeat that? And I'm just like, wow, it's not my fault that you can't hear and yet you're badgering me because you can't hear me. I can speak up. Could you be kind about it? I couldn't say that. And they would do all kinds of things like, where's my walker? I saw you moved it. I'm like, ma'am, people have to walk through here. So we move all the walkers over to this corner. Whatever you need it, I'm happy to bring it for you. Well, I want it over here in case I have to get up. And it would just be these nasty, grumpy, this, this is cold or this is hot. I don't understand it. <sighs> Last time we were here, we had better service or next time we better have better service and just horrible people, just bitter because life had done them wrong. But I guarantee you that group A, the joyous ones, they've also had crap happen to them too, but they chose the joyful path. This coffee is cold. I don't know why you brought me this. I can't drink this. Versus this coffee is, uh, uh, is I, I think there's ice cubes in this coffee. Is there any way you could bring me some coffee that's nice and warm? I needed to put on a coat, like a joke or whatever, even if they're not funny. I'm sorry, sweetheart. They always called me sweetheart. I'm sorry, sweetheart. This coffee is cold. Can you please bring me some warm coffee? Like, we're human. It's a restaurant. Things are going to go wrong. I'm going to forget a fork. You know, your steak is going to be overcooked or undercooked or something is going to go wrong some of the time. So why not choose joy? And that's what I noticed because all of us, if we're lucky, are going to get old and we're going to lose many things. Getting old at its core is about loss. It's not just wrinkles, but it, yeah, 
It's the loss of collagen in your skin. It's the loss of good vision. Maybe you need reader eyeglasses or a, a stronger prescription or maybe eye surgery, LASIK, you know? It's the loss of strong joints. You can't run as fast as you used to. You can't take the stairs as easy as you used to. Maybe your back bothers you more than it used to. All kinds of things. Everybody I know who's in their 40s or 50s, most of us have some kind of foot problem. You know, you have bone spurs or plantar fasciitis or your your arches are falling or all of these things. Like you've been standing on your feet for 40 or 50 years in some capacity, you know? or have shoulder problems or elbow problems or whatever the joints are. If you're lucky, it's just about loss. It's the loss of friends and family. I mean, so many people in my high school, we just had our, our not even just, we had our 30th high school reunion two years ago, which is scary. And more and more of kids, I say kids because it still feels that way, but people from my high school class, graduating class, are dying. It's about the loss. You know, as we get older, our, our family of origin, more and more of them start to die. And you can look at it and say that is horrible and that is depressing and I'm bitter or you can say, what do I gain in my old age or in my seasoned age, as I like to say? I love the sense of well-being and sense of security that I've gained as I've gotten older. I used to, as I mentioned that last episode, dealing with anxiety and depression, it was a complete puzzle. Not that I have all the answers and everything figured out, but I definitely know myself more and understand myself more and understand myself more how I fit in with others or with my family. Yes, there's a lot of loss. I would love to run a marathon every year. If my joints would allow me, I would run one every year. My dream was to run the New York Marathon. That marathon is so popular that they only accept a certain number of people and the rest have to enter a lottery. I entered one year and I didn't make it. And now I will probably never run that marathon. Never say never. But there are so many other gifts that come with aging. And it's very easy to be scared and afraid of dying and afraid of being rickety, you know, and aged. But I look at those people that I used to wait on, the joyful ones, where your skin is completely saggy. There's no doubt about it. You are elderly, right? There's not enough Botox in the world. There's not enough facelifts in the world. Once you hit a certain age, whatever that age for you is, 80, 90, maybe 100, you are officially old. And it's okay. And I see, I look at my mother and she's got a full life. All right, mom, I'm ratting you out. So my mom's 80, going to be 81 or 81, I forget, but somewhere in there. And she has a full life. She has great friends and she cares about like fun fashion and she cares about 
you know, keeping involved with her church and her friends and their lives, even if some of them, God forbid, and they are dying, you know, and, and paying attention to her family and her extended family. Whereas I have another friend, her mom is maybe five years younger than my mom. And all she does is call her daughter and complain about her, how her life is over how she has no friends. She has nothing to do, nowhere to go. Life has passed her by. Again, she's five to six years younger than my mom. My mom just went to a jazz festival this past weekend. She's living her full life. We get to choose. I think that when we only focus on, oh, got to have my skin looking tight, got to have my abs, got to be fit, we lose the true gifts and joy of getting older. I'm actually not afraid of dying. I always thought I would be because I believe that there's heaven or some beautiful place where I get to see all my past relatives and my cats and my dogs who have passed away. Like that's what I envision anyway. And I obviously don't want to deal with disease and sickness, but that's just part of it for many of us as we get older. I mean, I know so many people, my friends, whose family members who've dealt with heart attacks and strokes and all these things, but they keep kicking and they still have beautiful lives. And so I think when our society is so busy being focused on, are your cheeks plump? Is your butt round? Is your hair long and flowing? Are your eyelashes long and battable? We lose something. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be curvy and look pretty and attractive and be youthful. But I think it's important for us to remember and to be aware of and to take note of all the things that we've learned throughout our lives and all of the experiences. If you're like me, you take a lot of pictures. And I think most of us do, not everybody. A lot of guys don't do this as much, but especially we women you take a lot of pictures. Take 15 minutes out of your day. Now I have some 20,000 pictures on my phone. That's a lot of pictures. I think it's up there, right? And I was looking for some specific photos the other day and I was just sliding through, skimming through, skimming through, skimming through. And I was going back year after year after year after year after year. And I'm like, look at all these moments in my life. Some of them I had forgotten about. Some of them I remember, but it was nice to have them refreshed. I love photography. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see my photography. I take pictures and videos like when we travel. I love traveling. And I look back and I see all these great places that I've been with my husband. You know, when we went to Quebec, Canada, or when we visit different places and when we went to Costa Rica on our honeymoon, or even in this country, you know, just going to Zion or the Grand Canyon or just stuff that we've done when we've gone hiking an hour from here or two hours from here where I live or to San Diego, just all of these moments. And I'm like, wow, that's my life. It's so easy to get caught in the moment of, oh my God, I'm getting older and I have to do all these things by the time I'm this age and I have to do that. And when I turn 30, I'm old. And when I turn 40, I'm old. And when I turn 50, I'm old. I'm 50 and I didn't know that this is what it would feel like. 
my husband and I were talking about that the other day and I'm like, you know, my mind, my thought processes, thought processes, where I am now in my life, this is what I thought like 38, 37 would be like. 50, I thought was old. I, and it's not. And so <laughs> I don't know what to say. You know, I look at uh, Red Table Talk, which is an online, like a Facebook watch show with Jada Pinkett Smith, which is Will Smith, the actor, Will Smith's wife. She's an actress herself. And her mom and Jada Pinkett Smith's daughter, Willow. So it's these three generations. And her mom, they just call her Gammy. I can't even think of what her real name is. But Gammy is 80-something. And she's so beautiful. And she lives such a full life from what we see that it gives me hope. I'm inspired. Because 80 doesn't even have to be old. I've spent the last 20 minutes calling it old. But a study just came out saying you are only as old as you think you are, you know, and it's not about pretending that you're younger. It's about having a life that is full at any age, because I know people who live like curmudgeons who are 35 and 40 years old. They don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. They don't experience anything. They're very fearful. And that's their path. And that's their right. But then I also know people who are in their 80s who are hiking and traveling and spending time with family and grandkids and great-grandkids and have things that they're doing and gardening. My mother-in-law gets on her riding lawnmower and cuts acres of land. I mean, that's her thing. She carries up the firewood from the basement to, you know, to stock up the fireplace. Like she's nobody's like weakling. She's very involved with, they live on a farm, a tree farm. And um, so age, I think when you look at something like the study that just came out that says, not only does it give us a more joyful, full, colorful life when we just fill our lives up and stop worrying about, oh my God, I feel old, I'm old, I'm expected to do this or that at this age. We actually avoid diseases and illnesses and discomfort and depression and anxiety because we filled our lives up. I mean, I have a friend who's like, oh my God, I just don't want to be 50 and she's worried about it. Do I like that number? Mm, no because people see it as old. But when they meet me, they don't see me as an old person. And that's what I focus on because of the life I lead. And there's nothing wrong with you if you want to sit at home and read a book, or maybe you want to write or journal and you're just a homebody. If that's what floats your boat, great. You don't have to be social. You don't have to travel. It's just about filling up your life with joy. Because as we go along and as we continue to lose, we need to be able to focus on those things that we gain. Watching your friends and high school friends, or even if you just sort of knew them, or people you've met over your lifetime die is hard. It is hard to know that I need double knee replacement on my, my knees, right? I need surgery eventually. But I figure, hey, I'm going to have great, really pain-free bionic knees or mostly pain-free because I've had knee pain for decades now. 
it's hard to face all of those things and watch your life be more so behind you than it is in front of you. I mean, I consider myself in the middle, knowing that my family, like I've, I've told you guys before, I have a cousin who is um, 99 and another cousin who is 103 or 104. And I just outed my mom's age. So I expect to live to be at least 100 to 105, at least. So I'm not even officially like halfway through my life yet. And there's nothing wrong with thinking that. Now, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, or I could have some weird heart thing and drop dead at 80. But as far as I'm concerned, I expect to live to be about 105, maybe even 110. Why not? We're living longer and longer and longer. So I have a lot of life left to live. And yes, there's a lot when I look back and I go, wow, this is what I've done, where I've been, what I've where I've gone. And yes, there's a lot of loss but the gifts are also many. The relationships, the experiences. I'll share one last story before we end the show. So the young woman that I was speaking to at this birthday party, who I just mentioned a few minutes ago, who was 27, who was sharing this horrible, catastrophic thing that she went to, and I don't think she listens to the show, but just in case, I won't give too many details, but this thing that she, she witnessed, she was witness to a horrible crime and she was dealing with some PTSD and she's like, I don't know why I'm not over it now. It's been four months. And I'm like, four months is not very long. And she's like, I just feel like I'll never be the same. I said, you know, and I've shared this with you guys before, and I actually have an episode about it if you want to go back and listen, but I lost an ex in uh, the World Trade Center and, you know, he was killed on 9-11 and he worked on the 102nd floor and it was devastating horrible day for everybody of course but when you don't know if the person that you love and we were not together at that point but the person that you love is in that building or dead or alive we didn't know we didn't know for weeks it's horrible and early on i just could not stop crying it was i just was a mess and as time went on and we did realize that he was dead and we never heard anything else from him. There was never anything found, no body, not bone fragments, nothing. Even to this day, they're still finding some bone fragments. They've found nothing from him. Early on, I thought, I, I will always have this pain in my heart and getting over it is going to be so difficult. How will I ever be the same? And what I realized is that I don't need to be the same. That would I choose this experience? No. But I am richer in experience because I went through this. And when you know the depths of shock and despair, because that's what that was. It's very different when I lost my dad. That was a different kind of shock. You know, he'd been sickly when I lost my brother. That was a complete shock. But, you know, older people, you sort of expect them to die as difficult as that is. But being murdered in a terrorist attack is nothing you ever expect to happen to anyone you know or anyone. I just wasn't thinking about that. I didn't know who Osama bin Laden was in 2001. Never heard of him. Many people did. I didn't. So, I mean, I was young. So I look back on that and I know myself better because I had that horrible experience. I know how to overcome 
that kind of pain. I know what that kind of pain is like. I've been able to help other people, friends, family members who are like, who've suffered from great loss. I know what it's like to be in it and come all the way out of it and to be able to talk about it and not just be destroyed because I was a wreck when it happened. And moments like that, when I'm talking to this young woman and she's looking at me and I'm sharing my story, my experiences with her, and she's feeling a connection with me and she tears up and she's like, thank you so much. I didn't think of it that way. I just thought like, you know, and I'm paraphrasing that, that her life was sort of ruined, that she'd seen this thing and it's so terrible. And instead she's like, I don't have to be the same. I'm a stronger, richer, wiser woman because I've experienced this. And I will carry this story throughout my life. And maybe I'll help others and maybe I won't. But to me, and this is me speaking, Jody Rollins now, having a life rich in experience is the best life we can have. And that doesn't just mean good experiences. It means the crappy ones too. So death and loss and pain, there are so many people who cannot face it. There are so many people who are stuck when a loved one or a family member dies and they drink themselves to death because they can't get over it or they eat themselves to death because they have uh, you know, a hole in their heart and they just want to fill it with food or they do drugs, or they're just bitter, angry people. We have a choice in our lives as we go through the good, the bad, and the ugly to see it as something rich. So when I go through those pictures, because some of them were even at funerals, I feel a sense of contentment. And I know that I'm going to be one of those old people that chooses the joy and not the bitterness, no matter what happens. I mean, we don't know. I don't know if I'll end up in a wheelchair because I'm old or something happens. You don't know if you'll have a stroke. You don't know. But I know that because I have been through all of these things that I can be through and I can go through more. That's what aging is to me. Recognizing the joy that we've been through and taking that on with us as we grow old. Wrinkly or not, Botox or not, knee surgery or not, heart attack or stroke or not. Find the joy. Acknowledge the pain, but find the joy. That, to me, is how we age gracefully. That's my story anyway. And I'm sticking to it.